0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another Relic Reveal episode. This one is near and dear to my heart. My favorite, owe oh, them all, Though stiff competition with Thomas Aquinas, St. Francis of Assisi. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We got him, St. Francis of Assisi, my homeboy and yours, the founder of the Franciscan Order, the great reformer of the church, man about town, this guy, troubadour for God, the great singer for the great king. We're going to talk about. My boy, St. Francis of Assisi. Woo! Francis Young, Young Francesco. Francesco, is that it, right? Francesco? Well, not initially. Young Giovanni, as he was originally born and baptized, which is a funny story, his dad was away, his dad was a cloth merchant, made a lot of cash money on this stuff, right? So his dad's a merchant, he's overseas while his wife has the baby, names him Giovanni after St. John the Baptist. He comes back and he's like, what's this? I want my kid to be named after my favorite place where I make all my money, France, so he renames his son Francesco, right? Francis of a cc I love this story everything about him and his dad just constantly butting heads is he the patron saint of of sons butting heads with their dads he's the patron saint of stowaways which of, I, I don't know is. if there's any correlation there but it's like it's very like easy things like italy Ecology stowaways stowaways Francis was a fascinating young man the life of the party everyone loves him good-natured soul naturally charismatic drew people in a lot of fun and he had the money to make everyone have a good time but here's the deal showing up to the exact same party for about 10 years in a row kind of got old for Francis so instead of just being an indulgent you know drunkard or whatever he was a great singer very artistic all this stuff he decided no I'm gonna go and become a knight and i'm gonna earn the nobility and fame so his dad laid down a ton of coin and bought him the fanciest armor in assisi a local uh, city state comes to war against assisi he goes out there and Assisi gets there clocked clean. And he's looking at all these dead bodies and he's like, nope, I'm out of here. And then he got captured. When you're wearing fancy armor, that means you rich and you can get a ransom. So he's thrown in prison for a year. Now, this is fascinating. He would get sick. He would be near death. And that began to turn this, you know, millionaire playboy and start to think like, yikes, what am I living for? But his conversion was just beginning. Eventually, he's ransomed by his father. He goes back and the party scene just wasn't doing it for Francis. In fact, there's a famous story where they would carry him on his shoulders right to the edge of town, and he would stare off, and I've been at the very spot where he stood, and it is beautiful in Umbria, Italy, and all these mountains and hills and all this stuff, and he said this lust that he had for nature and for beauty, it evaded him, and that was the next step. Like, not only will you die one day and render an account for the lack of nobility in your life, But even nature itself, which once delighted you so much, cannot satisfy. So there he is on that hill, and the party lifestyle was done for him. He could not go back, okay? So tensions begin to increase between him and his dad, and then he begins to avoid his friends. In fact, he would find solitary places in order to pray, to be alone with his thoughts. To the point where his friends end up cornering him and are like, y- you got to be like courting some maiden, right? Like, you're trying to get married, aren't you? And he's like, oh, I have, Jay, what's the quote? I met the greatest love ever or something like that. A woman far fairer than any of you have ever seen. And this is the next step on his conversion. He was talking about Lady poverty you see God began to break these worldly attachments of a very worldly man at this time began to break them from owning his heart so what does he do well he begins to double down on this life he begins to search and to seek what is the point of his life at that time another war erupts his father buys him another suit of armor and he goes out on a journey tells all of his friends he's coming back a prince he's gonna go to the crusades it's gonna be awesome He makes it 24 hours. He's out there and he hears clearly. He has a couple dreams where he realizes that clearly this is the voice of God telling him to go back home. His father is utterly humiliated by his son. Everyone mocks him. All of his old friends want nothing to do with the young Francis. But there he would go in his lonesomeness, right? In his prayer, in his devotion, in his growing conversion. There he would discover the nearly collapsed Chapel of San Damiano at the foothills of Assisi. He goes into the chapel and there is a beautiful Byzantine crucifix that is now perfectly identified with the Franciscan order so completely when you see that cross you think the Franciscans but it was originally a Greek cross and there he is praying in front of it and he hears the message that would change his life. Francis go and rebuild my church for my church is in ruins. He thought it actually meant the physical chapel of San Damiano. So what did he do? He began collecting stones. He began trying to raise money. And then he went home to his dad's house and he gathered up all of his dad's rich Uh, expensive fabrics, put him inside a cart, took the cart, sold it, got the gold, and his father was enraged. He would hide out from his dad down in that chapel, kind of being seen as a crazy person by the townsfolk, until eventually the dad would return and get the city council and the bishop to drag him back up. So what did he do? Well, the bishop realize, listen, Francis, you can't feed the poor by stealing from your dad, selling it, and then giving all the gold away. And Francis said, well, how am I going to make my money? He said, God will provide. And that was the last brilliant light in Francis's life that he needed to affect the change. God will provide a radical reliance on God, whereby he could completely surrender himself to lady poverty. And he did so in the most dramatic and most St. Francis way. He realized, he's looking at his dad, his dad said, give me all that's mine. So not only does he give him the gold from the sale of the linens, he then takes off his clothing, clothing that his father had given him, takes it all off till he's completely naked. He said, now at last I can say, not you, father, or my father, but our father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And apparently the bishop took his cape and covered him. And there's a fascinating statue to this day in Assisi of the bishop covering with his cape because bishops had capes, but there he would go and wearing a rough tunic would become a penitent. He gathered followers to himself, other rich young men who were just done with the cash money lifestyle, and the emptiness behind constant and easy-gotten pleasures would sell all they have in order to follow Christ more fervently, more on fire, an intensity that really wasn't seen in the church at that time. In fact, there were a handful of heretical sects that were like, the church is so rich and so bloated and so corrupt, it's a bunch of aristocrats that don't care about the gospel. And this is what happened, it was called the Biblical Movement that swept through. It took up Dominic in Spain It gave us the Dominicans and in Italy here is St. Francis of Assisi launching the Franciscans. The beautiful thing, originally they were called the order of penitence and they would just sit and they would do all of these penitential acts and they would fast and they would preach the gospel everywhere. The gospel of brotherly love, which is what Francis is known for to this day. As they begin drawing more followers, he says, well, there's about 11, 12 of us. Let's go down to Rome and get approval. Pope Innocent. Now you got to understand this about Pope Innocent. He was the most secularly powerful Pope in the history of the church. This guy was the guy. Francis goes in and he meets the Pope and he gives him the rule of the order. And what's the rule of the order? Well, basically, Francis in prayer After much, much prayer, he just randomly opened the Bible, played a little biblical roulette, right? You open a page, drop your finger down. First, go and sell all you have uh, and give it to the poor. Second was take nothing, not a second tunic or a walking stick or gold with you on the journey. And then third was take up your cross daily and follow me. That was the original rule. Innocent saw this and he was like, this is too extreme to follow. No one can live this life. And then his chaplain's like, Pope. Pope, you can't say that Pope. And he's like, why can't I say that? He said, because you're saying no one can follow the gospel. Then why did Jesus give it to us? So eventually he would relent. he said, okay, if your order continues to grow, I'm going to give you tentative approval. If it continues to grow, then I'll give you complete approval. But I need to see the grace of God blessing this through growth. Then he has a vision that night. And what was that vision? The vision was of a tiny man, St. Francis of Assisi, In St. John Lateran, which at that time was before the St. Peter's Basilica was this resplendent church in all of its glory, St. John Lateran was the head church of Rome, and there he is pushing the john ladder was falling apart and this one little guy was pushing up and keeping the pillars in place and he would eventually save the church and he and then the man turned around in the vision he realized this is the guy i just talked to today called him back in and he declared it a religious order with full approval and they gave them all tonsures, which is that crown of thorns haircut i found out to jay why they got that haircut because almost everyone had the exact same clothes because clothing wasn't like now where you get to wear it looks so fly and all this stuff they needed to stand out so they required them to have the goofy haircut yeah they all got the tonsure they gave glory to god and they began their mission of preaching now here's the crazy thing it became like a wildfire throughout not just italy but all of europe francis his name was renowned people were converting when they would encounter him miracles were happening the gospel was again taking root now i would just jump in here Right? When the church itself becomes so referential, self-referential, when it begins to become corrupt and break and fracture and all the horribleness and all the divinity seems to leave, that's where that's where God begins to sow those mustard seeds in the cracks of the empire. Right, That's where you start to see new life and new growth in radically unexpected ways. And the most powerful pope in secular terms would encounter the, this man who was absolutely in love with Lady Poverty because of Jesus Christ. I mean, just think about what that does in the life of the church. The Franciscan order would quickly become the biggest religious order in the history of the world. It's amazing what he Mothers would lock up their sons when Franciscans would walk through the town out of fear that they would leave their families and become these mendicant beggars. And that would eventually become their habit. The habit, the rough woolen tunic, which was the symbol of poverty in the Umbrian Valley, the area where Assisi was. Now, Francis, I love the stories of Francis. This guy is a fire a spark of fire in the world he would eventually go and try to make it to the sultan who ruled all over the islamic empire he tried to go one time he was shipwrecked one time he was ill and then he finally finally joins up on the crusade and he gets all the way to the sultan. He's wandering the battlefield during a peacetime armistice, and he's just like, sultan, sultan, Sultan." (laughs) I just love this guy. So eventually they bring him in front of the sultan. Now, Jay, here's a story that you didn't write in your little essay. There's a famous story when Francis meets the sultan. The sultan beforehand has a carpet on the floor, and he sews in a cross into the carpet as a test of Francis's faith. The sultan wanted to prove his faith wrong, so he's like, if he's really a holy man, he won't step on this cross. And he sewed the cross into his beautiful, ornate, carpet well Francis comes in doesn't even know this thing is here and he's standing walking all over that cross and the soul goes aha I know you're not a holy man and he said what do you mean and he said you've been standing on the very symbol of your of your faith and he looks down and he sees that he is indeed standing on a giant cross stitched into the carpet and he goes oh no 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 see you're mistaken there were two other people crucified that day I'm just standing on one of theirs and he thought that was so funny He would eventually just love the natural charism of Francis. And while he didn't do what Francis asked, which is, give me your holiest men, start a bonfire, let's all go in. The one who comes out, that's the true God. Uh, For some reason, the sultan was all for it, but none of the holy men were. Trial by fire, as they say. There it is. So Francis ends up uh, being blessed by the sultan to go and preach. His followers are allowed free passage in the holy land, which is radically unique. But he would go and he was even given permission to convert and preach all throughout the countryside. Eventually, he would return because, because in Italy, his order was starting to fracture and fall apart. In one place, a monastery was becoming super opulent. In another place, extreme fasts and penances were being put on people that made no sense. All sorts of discord was happening. So Francis comes back and he's like, oh, my reform movement itself needs reform. So what did he do? He does what he always does. He goes up a mountain. He's alone and he prays, and he prays, and he comes up with a rule, the rule, it's called the second rule of Francis, he comes down the mountain, and he gives it to his buddy, and his buddy immediately loses the rule, so Francis has to go back up the mountain, and rewrite the rule, (laughs) And then he comes down the mountain again, and he gives it, and that was the approved rule that the OFM, the Order of the Friars Minor, follows to this day. After Francis wrote that second rule, it brought in a ton of stability and unity within the Franciscan order, which is important because it would spread so fast and so far. Within about 100 years, they're in almost every single European country, and they did it by walking barefoot, two by two, through every town. Now, there's a couple things I want to mention that we should definitely touch upon. A lot of his devotional life when he was in Assisi revolved around the beautiful church called St. Mary of the Angels, which is what our chapel is going to be. We're naming it Our Lady of the Angels, but the Porzioncula in Latin or in Italian is the chapel that would eventually be built up into the basilica uh, in honor of the Franciscans and all the movement that he would do there. Now, there's another basilica in Assisi, Santa Chiara, because... And we already talked about her, St. Clair of Assisi, another noble woman, wealthy woman would eventually hear his preaching and change her life. And the poor Clairs would help to build so much of America in their uh, missionary uh, appeal and all this stuff going throughout uh, the frontier country of America. The poor Clairs, amazing, holy women. It's powerful, the example of St. Francis and the ripple effects that sanctity can have. And that brings me to one of the most interesting things in the history of the Catholic Church. For 1,200 years, we have had very holy people. Wouldn't you say? We've had had some holy people. But here's the thing. It is with St. Francis of Assisi that we have the first manifestation of the stigmata. Now, what's the stigmata? The stigmata are the wounds principally in the hands and feet of Christ that he received on the cross. So Francis has this vision of a seraph angel, a burning angel coming towards him, and that angel is on the cross. And as that image comes closer and closer, his hands and feet get into intense pain, and then from that point on, he bears the wounds in his flesh of the stigmata. It's fascinating because a later Franciscan would have the same thing or similar thing happen to him, Saint Padre Pio, that we also are going to have. Now, here's the deal. If you don't know who Claire of is, the Portiuncula, if you don't know about Padre Pio, we have videos on these things. Check them out in the description below and learn more about this beautiful symphony of saints that we have in the Catholic Church and whose relics will be here right over there in the Our Lady of the Angels Chapel. I could not be more excited. Now, as we get to the end of Francis's life, things remain dramatic. He knows his end is drawing nigh. He would die on October 3rd after 45 years of life, but right before his deathbed, they would read the Song of Solomon to him and then stripped off his garments, his habit, laid it next to him, laid down on the floor, and there he prayed in solitude and kissed Sister Death. Now, it's so amazing because he gave one last instruction to his brothers he said bury me on the hill of hell the hill of hell in Assisi is nothing other than the place where criminals are executed and buried your family members didn't want to bury their bodies so there was this hill that was just dedicated to executed criminals and he wanted to be buried among them I mean this guy he's just crazy I love him right so intense is his love but People were in love with Francis, in particular, the people of Assisi. So they would come down the very next day, not letting the OFMs, his fellow friars, bury his body there. Instead, they did a procession with him down to San Damiano, uh, back up the mountain into Assisi, and there he would be laid to rest. His tomb became the center of tons of miracles. And after a few short years, when the St. Mary, the angels, all this stuff, basilicas are being built and all this, the friars, and I find this so fascinating. When they buried his body, they did not tell anyone where it was going to be buried because they didn't want the attention being on him. They wanted it on our Lord. But in the 1800s, there's a huge excavation, all this stuff, archaeological dig. They found him in the 20s and 30s. In the 1900s, they were able to verify this, in fact, is St. Francis of Assisi. And Jay, I have to tell you, thank God, because otherwise we wouldn't have a relic of St. Francis. Boom. Got Got it. So at the end of his life, what is the lesson that we can draw from this man. This man was so passionately in love with Christ, he was willing to look like a fool. This man, he brought, united together his zeal with creativity, his artistic impulse, his charisma, all that would make him such a remarkable young man. When applied with Christ, it didn't destroy his personality. It amplified all that was good for the good. And that's what we need to remember. As you and I come into union with Jesus Christ, We don't lose ourselves, the qualities and things that God made about us that's good. What is good becomes purified and amplified in the very heart of the Trinity. So you and I need to accept the fact that sanctity is our happiness. We need to embrace all the beautiful things of nature that God has given us. St. Francis of Assisi is known for being such a huge nature lover. This is how Francis helped change the world because when the church became decadent, He challenged the status quo by his embrace of poverty. So what I want to do for y'all is I want you to live the life of St. Francis of Assisi, one of uncompromised love. My buddy Dave Van Vickle says Francis of Assisi was the first story he ever read of a man who loved God the way God deserved to be loved. And what he means by that is without hesitation right if you stole francis's food he fasted if you beat him he rejoiced if you killed him he was a martyr he was untouchable by this world and you can be too you can be untouchable by this world that claims so much of your life that robs you so much of your dignity that demands so much of your time and attention that we don't even know that our life is being drained away brothers and sisters francis is the man that you can imitate in imitation of Christ. He brought peace where there was war, love where there was hatred. Francis and his love of lady poverty changed human history. And you can too, brothers and sisters. Let's stay on this pilgrimage. We are near the end to the road to Our Lady of the Angels Chapel. We have just a few short weeks left. We got two saints, but three relics. And construction will be starting soon, which I'm super excited about. We already had our groundbreaking, but guess what? Once that first mass is celebrated in that chapel, then the relics will be brought in. A lot of you have been asking, when are we getting the relics? Are they in a closet somewhere? No, we don't have them right now. They are all, they will be here by the time we do the first mass in the beautiful dedication of our Our Lady of the Angels Chapel, we are going to put the relics in the reliquary so that you and I can come and be inspired by their example, pray for their intercession, and love our Lord with fervent devotion. May God bless you, and I'll see you next week.